Just look at someone next to you and say, Happy Father's Day. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> hey, Father's Day is for everybody. <laughs> and now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for everyone here. We pray for our kids downstairs. Pray for our youth, the fundraisers that are coming up. Thank you that all their needs will be met. Father, we pray. If anyone is in here today not knowing Jesus Christ, above all, we pray they leave saved, God. Pray if anyone came in depressed or oppressed, feeling empty or lonely, that they would leave secure in your love. If anyone came in here today sick in their body, facing financial distress, Father, thank you that your blessing is enough to take care of every need. Father, speak through me to your people. Father, they are your children. Happy Father's Day, Lord. Speak to your people today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We talk about the Father's blessing today. As you know, if you've been in the church long enough, you know that's very important to me, the Father's blessing. I do it a, a minimum of once a year, whether my family is together on Father's Day or it might be us on vacation. I take time to bless my family, my six kids. I, I speak a blessing over each one of them, and then I speak a blessing over my beautiful wife. And you know, it's powerful. The Father's blessing is extremely powerful. How do I know? Let me give you some stats. 24 million kids in America, one out of every three, live in fatherless homes. Nine in 10 American parents agree this is a crisis. How many of you agree that that's a crisis to live in a fatherless home? And I know many of you, like me, did. Children in fatherless homes are almost four times likely to be poor. 80% of inmates in prison come from a fatherless home, 80%. Teens without fathers are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity and seven times more likely to get pregnant as adolescents. Fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. As I go down this list, I see myself. Why? Let me tell you something. Here's... Here's the stat that strikes me the most. When a mother and father are regular churchgoers, you know what percentage of their children will be regular churchgoers? 75%. Now, if just the mom goes to church and she's a regular churchgoer, you know what the number is for their kids? 15%. But when it's only the dad... 55%. You think it's important for fathers to be in church, for fathers to be the spiritual leaders of their home, for fathers to bless their family? Yes, it's important. As a matter of fact, let me tell you something. In America, the government isn't the problem. The president, the Congress, they're not the problem. The problem is homes without fathers. That's the problem. How many of you, like me, growing up, you just wanted your father's blessing? 
You just wanted him to tell you, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're doing a good job. Any of you? I never really got it. And I'm sure many of you never got it from your earthly father. But I'll tell you what, there's a blessing that's more important than that one. It's the blessing from the heavenly father. Amen? And that I have. And that you can have before you leave today. You know, that's an important blessing, but God does use us as agents of blessing. Yes, God does use us. And let me tell you something. When you pray a blessing over your child, it makes a difference. There were things that when my kids were little, and my two of my beautiful daughters and my son are here right now. Thanks for coming. <laughs> All the other ones are out of the will. Don't worry about it. You just got doubly rich. Uh, but... Some of the things I spoke into their lives when they were this big are coming to pass now. They never forgot. That's how important it is, fathers, for you to speak a blessing. And you know what? It's never too early and it's never too late. And I'll tell you, I don't stop with my kids because there's a beautiful woman that, woman that has decided to live with me and put up with me. And I need to speak a blessing over her. We are the kings and priests and prophets over our homes. Men! Real men bless their families. Because what you speak into them, I remember my son, you know, when he would get a report card. Listen, when your report card's not that good, who do you show it to? Mom. So I'd be always like, how are they doing in school? Oh, they're doing fine. <laughs> But I remember my son Joey one time, he had a really good report card. And he was just going like this. He was teasing me with it. He wanted me to see it so bad. So I would say, well done, son. Good job. Because the father's blessing is so important. Let me tell you something. If you have daughters, hug them. Tell them how pretty they are. Bless them so some other guy doesn't have to do it. Pastor Kev immediately put his arm around his daughter. They just went on a cruise. He wouldn't let his kids leave the cabin. He wanted to <laughs> stay with daddy. I know how you are. <laughs> but there's a guy in the Bible that I identify with, and maybe you can. His name is Jacob. How many of you know who Jacob is? <laughs> Jacob was born to Isaac and Rebecca. He was one of twins. They weren't identical twins because when the babies came out, Esau they named the first one Esau because he was hairy. Imagine that when you pull out the baby, it's hairy, like, whoa, <laughs> what's coming next? <laughs> and Jacob was holding on to his heel. And so they called him, they named him Jacob, which means supplanter or schemer, one trying to get. He was trying to get, he was trying to be first so he could get the birthright, the blessing. But God had already told the mom, the, young, the older is going to serve the younger. You know, it was really important, the birthright, but many times God used the second one. Even Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and Abel brought the better sacrifice. The first king of Israel was Saul, but the second king was David. He was better. 
David's child with Bathsheba, the first one died. The second one was Solomon. It's the law of the second. First came John the Baptist, then came Jesus. If you look throughout the Bible, you'll see the law of the second many times. Because God wants to use what you don't expect. (laughs) He wants to use the one that you didn't think. It's not always how it appears to be with God. But God, before he was even born, he said the younger one, Jacob, he'll be the one that gets the blessing. So the two of them, the twins grew up. I have twins. How many of you have twins? Praise God. Let me pray for you right now. I remember we had four kids, and she said we should try for one more boy. I was like, yeah, I was going to 12, 15. I didn't care. Uh, She comes back. She's sitting in the kitchen. She says, twins. I was like, who, what, when, where? It took a half hour for me to believe it. Like, who believes it when their wife tells them you're having twins? The double portion, the double blessing. Yeah, I'll give you a double blessing. We have four little kids already. So these twins grow up together, Jacob and Esau. And one day, Jacob was like, he was more of a mama's boy. He liked to stay home. Esau was a more of a, he was a hunter, you know, his father. You know, they liked that kind of stuff. And, and uh, he was an archer. So yeah, go with Michael Martin and learn archery, okay? You could be like Esau. But um, as they grew up, Jacob stayed at home more. Esau was with the father, Jacob with the mom more. And one time Esau was out hunting and he comes back. He's really tired. And Jacob's there making some lentil soup. How many of you like to make soup? Oh. And, and you know what? When my house, when she's making soup in my house, I, you know, the first, the first hour, it's like, what's that? <laughs> but by the fifth hour, it's like, oh, God, I got to have some of that soup because it's been cooking and I know it's good. And so that's how Esau was when he came home. He was like, I need some of that soup or I'm going to die right now. That's what he said. He said, literally, I'm going to die. That's what he said. You look at it, Genesis 26, and, and, and so what happens? So Jacob says, I'll give you some lentil soup if you sell me your birthright. You give up your birthright for this soup. And Esau was like, ah, who cares about a birthright? Give me the soup. He pleased his flesh. He chose the things of this world over the blessing of God. And how many people do that? How many people, they choose to sell it for a bowl of soup or an affair or whatever. Sell the blessing for a bowl of soup for a sin that will never fill your heart or meet your need. So he sold them his birthright. Then what happens as they grow up, and Isaac's getting old. As a matter of fact, he's so old he can barely see. And he tells his first son Esau, go hunting. Make some of that delicious food that you make. Now, look, isn't that interesting? Oh, Esau can hunt and make delicious food, but he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. Think about it. He could have made his food. He just didn't want it. And some people just don't want it. They don't want God. They don't want his blessing. That's why God says in the New Testament, I love Jacob, but I hated Esau. You know, God chooses. As a matter of fact, you read in Romans 9, it talks about how God chose Jacob. It doesn't tell you why, but he knew beforehand what would happen. That's why he said Esau will serve Jacob. 
He knew. So anyway, Esau goes out, and Isaac's wife, Rebecca, listens what's going on. Okay, Esau's gone. He says, Jacob, hurry up. Dad's about to give the blessing to Esau. Come here, come here, come here. Go get some baby goats. We'll kill them. We'll make some savory food. She says, I'll cook for them. Hey, nobody cooks like your wife. <laughs> I can't remember the last time my son went hunting and made me anything. But anyway, so she said, I'll make him some food. And Jacob goes, yeah, but he's going to know it's me because Esau is hairy. He's different. He'll feel me and he'll know that I'm not Esau. So she says, listen, from the little things that you kill, <laughs> you kill little animals and cook them up, said, get that skin, put it on your arms, put it on your neck. So when you come close to your father and he touches you, he'll feel hair. You'll be like Esau. And he says, and you know what else she did? She put Esau's clothes on Jacob so he would smell like him. So what happens? Jacob comes. He brings the food his mother makes, brings it to him, says, I'm ready to be blessed. Isaac goes, man, it sounds like Jacob, but it smells and feels like Esau. So he speaks the blessing over him. Jacob leaves after he's stolen the blessing because Jacob's a schemer and he steals. See, it's funny. The whole time God was going to bless him, but he felt like he had to earn it somehow. So he leaves, then Esau comes in with the food, and his father says, who are you? He says, I'm Esau. He says, well, your brother stole your blessing. And Esau cries and says, oh, please, bless me, bless me. And he said, it's too late for that blessing, but he does give him a blessing, but it's not the blessing that he needs or wants. And you know what? When it's time for you to receive the blessing of God, you could sell it for a bowl of stew. <laughs> you can despise it and give it up. And God will give it to somebody else. God wants to bless you with his blessing. So then what happens? <laughs> Esau gets mad. He tells everybody, you know what? When Isaac dies, when my father dies, I'm killing Jacob. And Jacob's mother, Rebecca, hears it. She's always listening. She, Mom knows everything that's going on. She says, Jacob, go to your uncle's house for a couple of days until everybody calms down. So his uncle's name is Laban. So Jacob leaves. And as a matter of fact, they say, go over there, find a wife. You know, but just go for a couple of days, she says. So he's on his way to his uncle's house. And on the way, we know that he stops, he sleeps, and he sees the ladder, he sees angels coming from heaven down to earth. That's Jacob's ladder. And he takes a stone right there where he was sleeping. He puts it down and he says, this is Bethel. This is the house of God because God was here. Then he heads off to his uncles and evidently scheming runs in the family. <laughs> well, she, Laban was Rebecca's brother. And, Re and Rebecca's the one that schemed. You know, scheming ran in the family. You know what else ran in the family? Favoritism. Because Abraham favored Isaac over Jacob. And then Isaac favored Esau over Jacob. I said that wrong, but you'll forgive me for that. <laughs> so he goes to his uncle's house, and on the way he meets Rachel. And he's like, whoa, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. <laughs> I found a wife. And she's the younger of two sisters. She has an older sister named Leah. 
And uh, Rachel was just a little prettier than Leah. And, and Jacob's heart went right for Rachel. And he said to his uncle, you know, I'll work for you. And he says, you know what? He says, I'll work seven years so you can give me Rachel. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if I went to my wife's father and said, I want to marry your daughter? And he says, well, you're going to have to work for me for seven years. You know what, girls? I'm, I got a thought here. You want to marry my daughter? Get a shovel. I'll see you in 2022. He worked seven years. And what happens? You know what Laban does? Now, listen, I don't know if this is a fact, but you know in Orthodox Judaism, when the marriage is uh, consummated, there's a sheet between the two so they don't see each other. So that might have been it. It might have been the wine that they kept pouring in Jacob's glass. Whatever it was, Laban didn't give him Rachel. Gave him the older sister, Leah. So, you know, <laughs> your honeymoon and everything, you know. <laughs> you wake up the next morning, you're like, wow! <laughs> That's not the sister I wanted! <laughs> Imagine that. Is that waking up in your honeymoon room and there's somebody else there? The ugly sister? <laughs> Lord Jesus. So he's like, what do you do, Laban? What are you doing to me? And he says, well, the custom here is to give the first daughter first. Well, oh, thanks for telling me. So Leah goes on to get pregnant and then he, he says to Laban, I'll work another seven years for Rachel. So this dude worked 14 years to have two wives. Scammer Jammer got Scammer Jammer, didn't he? And then he had 12 kids, 11 boys and one girl between Leah and her maid and, and Rachel and her maid. I mean, he had really had four wives, 12 kids. And he's working for his uncle who's scam-a-jamming him. Now remember, his mother said, go away for a few days and come back when things calm down. It's 14 years later. <laughs> so then Jacob's like, I want to go back home to my family. And Laban says, no, 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 everything's working out so well since you've been here. I'm so blessed. So Jacob's like, okay, from now on, I'll make a bargain with you, because that's what Jacob does. He's a bargainer. You know, he's Jewish, you know. <laughs> hey, I'm half Jewish. I don't pay retail for anything. You ask my wife. Oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. Anyway, I could say it, because I got Jewish blood in me. But um, So he bargains with me. He says, look, from now on, of all our livestock that we have here, because and Laban became rich because of the blessing that was on Jacob. You see, God was always with Jacob. He was always with him. And they had all these different kinds of livestock, and some of them had streaks and spots on them, and some of them were solid color. And Jacob goes like this. All right, from now on, because you got to pay me, okay? It's 14 years in. I can't even go home yet. I don't have enough money. I need to leave with something. So he says, from now on, the spotted and streaked, flock are mine, 
and the solid color are yours. And Laban was like, definitely. He was like, really? <laughs> like he was thinking, I'm getting over on him. So then you know what Laban does? He has his sons separate their flocks and take all the spotted and speckled ones from Jacob. Now he's got nothing but solid color, so they're just going to produce solid copper, so, so forget it. Jacob's like, so what happens? What does Jacob do? You know the story, some of you. He takes tree trunks. He peels the bark off till they look like, you know that thing in the barber shop, you know, the twirly thing? They look like they're striped. And when the livestock go to eat and to mate, he puts that in front of their eyes. And when they look at that, that's what they become. There's such a powerful message in that, you know, because what you see is what you get. <laughs> you know, what you see by faith is eventually what you become, and that's a whole nother teaching. So what happens? Every time he does that, there's more speckled, more straight. Before you know it, he's rich again, and Laban's got nothing. Or, you know, he's got something, but it's not enough. And right after that, God gives Jacob a dream and shows him shows him that it was supernatural, the mating. He shows him striped and speckled rams mating with those sheep. In other words, God's showing, I was with you. I did it for you. Even though you made that, you thought it was you because Jacob was always trying to do it in the flesh. He was always trying to earn the blessing. But meanwhile, God was with him the whole time. Then he tells Laban, I'm going to leave now and he doesn't tell him. He actually leaves without telling him. He sneaks out because he's Jacob. Takes the wife and the kids one morning. They're gone. Laban gets mad, chases them, finds them. And what happens is they make peace that day. And Laban hugs his kids, says goodbye. And Jacob is heading home. Now, Jacob is heading towards what? Towards home where Esau is. And through the back of his mind the whole time, it's like his brother wanted to kill him. He stole his brother's birthright. He stole his blessing. He's afraid. He's scared. He's about to face something so big. And, and you know, sometimes when, when, when you have to face some kind of decision or something, it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. How many of you sometimes you put things off that you know you need to do, and it becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger problem? You know, people that have, like, hospital bills and stuff that, that they can't pay, like, tens of thousands of dollars. You know what I tell them? I say, send $5 a month to the hospital. You know what? They won't bother you if you send them a small amount of money. See, we never want to face things. We just want to avoid them. But you can face things and still do something about it. And you know what? Don't worry because God is with you. So Jacob's heading back. He knows he's about to meet Esau. And he comes close to that place that he called the house of God. You know what happens? This time he doesn't have a vision of angels. Angels come out to meet him. Angels come out to meet him. And you know, if you haven't been church in a long time and you've come back today, angels are here to meet you. There might be a demon of you. Just avoid them. But you know what? God will always welcome you back. And he welcomed him back. And then Jacob, he was really having a tough time now. He's got to go face Esau. So he, de he decides that he's going to divide his camp, okay? But before he goes to meet Esau, he says a prayer. And when you read it, we're not going to read it now, but when you go home, you read it. It's in Genesis 32. 
you read his prayer. Now all of a sudden Jacob's praying like a like a like he's trusting God a little more, you know? We're all on a journey, you know? And as we're on this journey, first he had a vision of angels, then he was able to meet angels. First he made a deal to God, now he's starting to pray to God. How many of you made a deal with God when you first got saved? Come on, be honest. Come on, I made a bunch of deals. I was wheeling and dealing. Hey, man, honest, really? God, if I do this, will you do that? Hey, God, if I do I mean, come on, we do it all the time. Wheeling and dealing. Now he's praying. Now he's praying. It's a real prayer. And then he, what he does is he separates his family from all of his stuff because he figures when, when they get to Esau, if he's going to kill them, he's going to take that first and he wants to save his family. But the night before he's going to meet up with him, he sends his family off and he stays alone. Alone. And what happens? Some of you know. It says a man comes and starts wrestling with him. <laughs> All of a sudden, I thought of the Steve Austin and the Rock, you know. It's just like, who came to wrestle with him? <laughs> it's a three-count fall. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're jumping on trees. But they're wrestling. I mean, this is just the craziest scene. And it's nighttime. They're wrestling. Remember this, though. The man came to wrestle with Jacob. Jacob wasn't looking for a wrestling match. And that's why I say this so you, when we get to the end of this, you understand. So they're wrestling all night in the dark. All of a sudden, this man, who, by the way, is the son of man, it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. It says that he touches Jacob's hip, and then Jacob's hip becomes disabled. And let me tell you something. If you've got a bad hip, you, how many of you here wrestle? Okay. Amen. Yeah, we got some tough guys here. You guys want to come? <laughs> you just wrestled with me, baby. <laughs> and by the way, I always let her win. <laughs> We're married. It's Father's Day. Chill out. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so he touches the hip, and then you guys that are wrestlers, you and I thought a woman raised the hand, but anyway, you guys that are wrestlers, you know that you need that. You need that strength from there when you're driving with your hip. So now he, he's done. He's done. And it's getting close to daybreak. And this man who's wrestling with Jacob says, let me go. It's almost daybreak. Now, why? Why? Most likely because at daybreak, Jacob would have seen him face to face and he would have died because you can't look at God face to face. Even though he says he did, he didn't in the daylight. And that's most likely why he said, let go of me, it's daybreak. And what happens? Jacob holds on to him. In other words, I'd rather get God's blessing than die. I'd rather have this blessing and die. That's how important it is to me. All of a sudden, Jacob, who schemed, who connived, said, you know what? I need God's blessing in my life. That's the blessing that I need. And it's funny, because what happens is that man says to Jacob, you're not Jacob anymore. That's not your name anymore. You're not a schemer anymore. 
Your name now is Israel. Your name is Israel. And that word means God prevailed. And he said to Jacob, he said, you're called Israel because you have prevailed against God and men. But the truth is, is Jacob didn't prevail. God prevailed. As soon as the man touched him, it was like, it's over. But you know what? When you lose to God, you win. When you lose to God, you win. Losing to God is a win-win situation. <laughs> There's no better thing than to lose to God. And it says that the man blessed him that day. And then we know he met Esau, and Esau hugged him, and all was well. He walked in the full blessing of God. Now, I want to go back. God's blessing is the most important thing. But we can be agents of blessing. Fathers, when you go home today, you bless your kids. There's power in that. And you know what? There was a spiritual message and there was power when Isaac blessed Jacob. All right? There was power in that. There was a powerful spiritual message. So, Phil, are you here? Is Phil Karen here? I need you. I need, I need an older Jewish man <laughs> to, play, to play Isaac. Okay? And I'm going to need KJ to play uh, the young Jacob. Now, doesn't he look like Jacob right here? Look at this man. Look, he's got the beard and everything. That's a Jacob for you. Okay, come on over here. Alicia, you can play Rebecca. All right, jeez. Oh, gosh. It can never be simple. Now, I want you to watch this. If you want, you can turn to Genesis chapter 27. But I want you to follow along with me. And I want you to see. <laughs> what about Jacob? Doesn't he get one? <laughs> not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> okay. I want you to look at this blessing. I want you to look at the imagery, the symbolism, and the power in this blessing that was done in Genesis 27. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he said, here I am. Then he said, behold, now I am old. Therefore, go take your weapons, your quiver, your bow, go out to the field and hunt game for me. Make me savory food such as I love. You see? The father, and Esau and the father both loved good food. Amen? Me and my son, we, we do too. We love steak. But, you know, there were so many similarities. It said, make me savory food as I love. Bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebecca was listening. Doesn't mom always know everything that's going on in the house? It's amazing. I could say something in the living room. She could be in the laundry room and be like, what'd you say? <laughs> like, dang. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. I heard that. That's the one. I heard that. I mean, I, I'm always talking to my son about the food situation, you know. It's like, you know, 
He says he's hungry. Next thing, there's a huge burger in front of him with fries. I say I'm hungry. Go get yourself something to eat. So you know what I always say to my son? I say, tell her you're hungry. Tell her you're hungry. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> she heard it. So Rebecca said to Jacob, her son, saying, indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother. Bring the game and make every food that I may eat it and bless you, etc., etc." Now, therefore, my son, listen to me. You know, think about this. She was subverting her husband's authority. <laughs> Go now to the flock and bring from there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food for your father that he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it, and he may bless you before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look. Esau, my brother's a hairy man, and I'm a smooth. <laughs> Skin man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall see to him a deceiver to him. Wait till you're told. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But the mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only listen to me and go. And he went, and he got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made a savory food such as his father loved. Do you hear that, Leisha? It's Father's Day. Make a savory food for your husband. <laughs> then Rebekah took the choice clothes of the older son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. Then she put the skins of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son. I'm not even looking. I don't even know what's going on behind me. I'm not going to look. So he went to his father and said, Father, here I am. And Isaac said, Who are you, my son? Because he couldn't really see him. Jacob said, Why are you guys touching each other? Wait a second. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, eat, and bless me. But Isaac said, how is it you found the food so quickly? He said, the Lord your God brought it to me. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father. He felt him, and the father said, the voice is Jacob's. But the hands are like Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. He, what's, go, what's going on back here? He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul will bless you. So he brought it near to me. He ate and he drank wine. So they gave him enough wine that he would really know it wasn't that it was Esau. And then he says, come now and kiss me, my son. In the first service, they kissed. I'm not... <laughs> and he came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothing. And he blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, Plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you. Nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers. Let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed is everyone who curses you. And blessed are those 
who bless you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Give them a hand. I can never go wrong bringing my wife up to play any characters. Just... You see that? Do you see that? Let me talk to you for a second. Second Corinthians 2.15 says this. We are, God, we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Look at that. She put clothes on him that smelled like her brother so that when he came to Isaac, it's, a, it's symbolic of God being blind to our sin. And he said, it may sound like Jacob, but it smells like my firstborn. We are to God the fragrance of Jesus. As hard as we've tried to earn our salvation, earn God's blessing, without Jesus, we don't have it. And in the same way that Isaac was blind to the schemer, he smelled the aroma and said it's the first one who gets the blessing. You see, because when it comes to the law of the second, Jesus is the first. We're the second. Jesus died that we could have the blessing. And if you look at Galatians chapter 3, in verse 27, it says this, For as many of you as were baptized, baptized into Christ have put on Christ. She put the sacrifice on Jacob. Remember Adam and Eve, when they messed up, when they sinned? They tried to put together leaves to cover themselves. God said, that's not good. It must be a sacrifice. So God himself took the skin of a sacrificed animal and put it on them because there must be blood for the atonement of sin. And when we put on Christ, God sees us. He, he sees Christ and he doesn't see us when it comes to our salvation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. Somebody explained it to me like this. When we're in Christ, when we're in him, when God looks down, he doesn't see us. Colossians 3 says we're hidden in Christ. We're hidden. So Isaac, to Isaac, Jacob was hidden. In his mind, it felt like Esau. It smelled like Esau. So even though it wasn't, he got the blessing anyway. And in the same way, you can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. But if you're clothed in Christ, it's yours. You know, Jacob had the blessing all along. He had the blessing all along. God said before he was even born, he would have it. But he had to come to the realization of it and that he had to embrace it and to receive it. 
Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this, that Jesus became a curse. Because remember, here's what Jacob said. He said to his mother, he said, if I do this and he finds out it's me, I'll get a curse. No. You know what? Jesus became a curse for us. That that blessing of Abraham might come upon us. He became the curse. So Jacob received the blessing not because of his works, not because of his scheming. It's because God wanted to give it to him. And there's nothing like having a father that wants to bless you. That's the best father you can have. One that wants to bless you. When I bless my kids, I don't bring up all the bad things they've done this year or last year. I speak a blessing over them. Why? Because I love them. In my sight, they're blessed. I love them. You know, the most powerful thing that happened to me this week is I was watching CNN. And that ki the young killer was facing the family. The young man that went into a Bible study, sat there for an hour and killed nine people, was there in court by video facing the families. What came out of their mouths blow your mind. The anchors were speechless. They didn't even know what to say. The mother of a son who was gunned down said, we enjoyed you at the Bible study. May God have mercy on you. And then another one said, we forgive you. Now let me ask you a question. If they can do that, can your father bless you? care how old you are. I have prayed a blessing over 90 year olds. And I don't care how young you are. God wants this blessing to be spoken over you. And when Caitlin was singing that song about loving you, how God loves you, I couldn't help but think of those people. How they showed his love like I'd never seen before. You can ask my wife. I came into the other room. I was stunned. I said, I have never seen God lifted up like that ever before. Ever, ever, ever. Can I pray for you right now? If you've never received Jesus Christ, if he has not become your father, that you haven't received his sacrifice for sin. Just like Isaac 
was blind to it. But he got it anyway. You know, truthfully, we're all sort of stealing a blessing, aren't we? We don't really deserve it. Jesus bought it for us. But you know what? God says we can have it. You would bow your heads with me, close your eyes. I want to say this prayer to make sure that everyone here is saved. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. That if we put our faith and trust in Him, we smell like Him, we feel like Him. God sees us as Him. If you've never said this prayer before, want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to know that you will spend eternity in heaven. If you died tonight, are you 100% sure you would? If not, say this prayer with me right now. Say, Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for my sin. Three days later, he rose from the dead so I could have a new life, so I could be forgiven. Bless me, Lord, with the blessing of Abraham today. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. If you said that prayer for the first time, nobody's looking. If you want to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, raise your hand so I can see it. Raise your hand up. Amen. Anybody else? Okay. All right, those people that did that, can you do me a favor? Just stand up where you are. Just stand up. Don't be afraid. You can do it. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. Come on, stand up. Could you come forward real quick so I could just pray for you? Come on, don't be shy. Don't worry. It's fine. We love you. We're glad you're doing it. We're happy. Just face me. You don't have to... some other hands up, but that's okay. If you're shy, you can come up for the next one. Right now, if everyone would just reach out their hands to these beautiful women who have just given their heart to the Lord, in a moment, we're just going to pray with you. We're going to give you some materials. We just want to celebrate what you did today. It says in God's Word that when one person gives their heart to Jesus, that there's a party in heaven. Right now, there's a party in heaven for you. I pray God's supernatural blessing over your life today for what you did. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right now, those of you that were never blessed by your earthly father, I want you to come forward right now. I want to read a blessing over you. Come on. Those of you who were never blessed by your earthly father, come to the front here. Because it's important that you're blessed. It's important that this happens for you. Anyone else who weren't blessed by your earthly father, I want you to come up here. As the spiritual father of this church, I'm going to pray for you. I don't always pray for people. A lot of times I don't do it, but this is important. You want to stay for that prayer as well? Okay. 
is going to sing over you why, why I bless you.
I love you, you would care. 